0: Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti financial advisor. Guys, welcome to the show that's for you and it's about you, those who work so hard for your money, and you want your money to start working harder for you now. You want that freedom, cash flow, and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 million years from now, but right now, so you can live that life that you love, doing what you love with those that you love. But most importantly, guys, it's not just about living a life. Of ease and comfort and convenience. It's about creating a life of meaning, of purpose, about creating a legacy, about creating a life that as you're blessed financially, you can bless the lives of others. You can magnify your stewardship to bless more lives. And guys, I so appreciate you allowing me to create a ripple effect for you. Thank you for also rippling on your own, that you're doing your own things, that you're out there. You've been binging on this stuff and learning and doing and applying this stuff and and even sharing it with other people. And I so appreciate that. That guys, that just means the world to me. It it makes it makes it feel like it's worth me teaching you guys too. So thank you so much. Always as a reminder, you can check out our website, moneyripples.com, to get some more information. And you can even go to our YouTube channel, the Money Ripples with Chris Miles page to get more videos and more content. So check it out. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income from making at least double digit returns on your money and get this? It's only a thousand dollars or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp. does. They actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually reach double-digit returns on. That means 10% or better. It's also IRA-friendly, and you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. So guys, if you want to learn more about that, go check out securedinvestmentcorp.com. That's secured, S-E-C-U-R-E-D, investmentcorp.com. So guys, today I've got a special guest here and I'll tell you, it's hard, really hard to find a good estate planning attorney to talk about this topic because I don't know how many times, especially when the book came out, you know, you guys, you've got heard about like, what would the Rockefellers do? The book that's by Garrett Gunderson, you know, one of the old friends of mine, he did that book primarily talking about how life assurance and estate planning and all this stuff works together and you can actually have this continuance of your legacy going beyond you. It's not just a one generation two generation thing where you make all these riches only to see it be pissed away for lack of a better word down the road. And that's where this comes into play. And I'll tell you like Brandon got introduced to me because I've had other attorneys do this and there's very few attorneys that do, but Brandon is like the protege. like he is the guy that gets this that actually does these kind of plans. He gets what this is coming from. And, uh, and I wanted to bring him on here. He's already talked with a lot of my clients currently, very experienced guy, right out of Colorado there, it does, really focuses more, not just on passing money, but passing more of you, like your value and passing you know, more of the essence of you that's, that really helps create this continuance from generation to generation. So Brandon, welcome to our show.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. Excited.
0: Yeah. Well, so give us a background. How'd you even get stuck doing this kind of crap?
1: <laughs> So uh, pretty much as I was heading into law school, well, I was going into law school because I wasn't cool enough to do anything else on my career path. So it was, the <laughs> last thing that, it was the last thing that I could think of. Estate planning, as I was getting ready to go into law school, mm-hmm. I, I was just hearing stories about celebrity deaths and all the family drama that can arise from no estate planning. And I was like, oh, this is a, not only is this preventable, but of course it's a tragedy. And I felt yeah. always... From the very beginning, my introduction to estate planning was estate planning is uniquely positioned to prevent family tragedy. And of course, the flip side of that is what it's become for me now is strengthening family relationships, enriching people's lives, helping the generations that follow reach their potential. That's always been the the overarching motivation for me.
0: Awesome. I love it, man. So how'd you get introduced into this concept, especially? Cause I mean, it was on your mind, but if you're like, if you've been hanging around most estate planning attorneys, they really don't go beyond just helping you just develop a little will and a trust. Right. And occasionally there's some advanced planning guys out there that are just like, Hey, I only want net worth of 5 million, 10 million on up. But for you to do this kind of method, like this is not just something you're just passing on money. This is something much bigger. Like what led you down this path specifically that got you here?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of serendipity relationships. Uh, so to make a long story somewhat shorter, I'm an attorney. can only be so short, right? Yeah. Is um, basically my father-in-law knows one of the original thought leaders in what they end up calling purposeful planning in this yeah. and, uh, the context of estate planning, which is not just passing on wealth, but passing on. Values, wisdom, affection, memories, life lessons, aspirations, motivations, you name it. There's an interesting amount of science kind of backing up this emotional impact Mm -hmm. or emotional aspect. And when you integrate it into traditional estate planning of wills and trusts, it, it helps the estate plan to have a positive impact in people's lives. So, pretty much just kind of a little bit of who you know and people of who I knew and who they knew. Mm-hmm. People want to be mentors and, and open up my my vision of what's possible, even if the kind of the pre-existing willingness and mentality was there. Just refining it, expanding upon it, deepening it, and uh, so for me, it's. You know, no one really gets too excited, too emotional about uh, passing money on. Yeah. They'd be very responsible. I've had clients uh, get pretty emotional when they think about the impact that they can have in their loved ones' lives when I start talking to them about integrating those conversations about values and wisdom in with the wealth.
0: Absolutely. I always ask my clients to say, what would you rather pass on? The money or the knowledge you gained to create that money in the first place? Yep. And 100% of the time, my clients always say, well, the wisdom, the knowledge that I gained, because I want them to do it themselves. I was yep. like, good, guess what? You can do both. <laughs> you can pass yeah. on both. Uh, but what a better way than to teach your, like your family stewardship, like why stewardship principles be able to help expand and grow what you've already created versus them just living becoming trust fund babies.
1: Yeah, and my experience is pretty similar. So one of the initial questions that I love asking clients because no one really comes in expecting an estate planning attorney, kind of to your point, yeah. to start this softer, more human, qualitative conversation. Yeah. And so there's a, it's a little bit of a heavy question that I like to ask them to help them understand that maybe this conversation is going to be a little different than what they were expecting, mm-hmm. which is let's imagine that you have 30 minutes to spend with your loved ones for a last conversation before you died. What would you want to talk to them about? And always interesting when I slow down and let them kind of respond, Mm -hmm. I get more people like legitimately not exaggerating more people explicitly saying, quote, well, not money Mm -hmm. than I do someone giving a financial answer. But the reality of it is, is traditional estate planning, which Mm -hmm. I do that too. You can't ignore the legal documents wills and trusts, and just saying who gets what, how much, and when do they get it? Mm-hmm. That is the last conversation that most parents have with their kids or clients have with whomever their beneficiaries are. But yeah. it's so completely disconnected from what the vast majority of people, kind of what you said, of what they would want to actually be passing on. And I think it's the mm-hmm. disconnect is where those horror stories of inheritance come from. Yeah. And I know you and I were talking about kind of talking points for this of Rockefellers versus Vanderbilts you mm-hmm. know massive amounts of wealth two of the most well-off families in American history yeah with two very different trajectories uh, and there's stories and lessons to be gleaned from both of good lessons and or good things that have been done and bad things that have been done mm-hmm.
0: that's right you know speaking of, like the Rockefellers right so I get Well, let's start with this. I mean, most people think I'm not a Rockefeller, I'm not a Vanderbilt, I don't have that kind of money. At what point, like speaking of the financial part of it, at what point should somebody be looking at getting an estate plan like this?
1: Uh, Well, that's a trick question for me because I fully integrate my purposeful planning into my estate planning. There's no such thing as a not non-purposeful estate plan for me, at least, and I can only speak for myself. So. Fully integrated. There's no additional fee or anything like that. It's it's just something that I feel passionately about,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so I it's fully integrated. I I tell people it's not an opt in program. I've already opted you into the program. <laughs> it's more of an opt out program where yeah. I have some clients who don't necessarily feel the need to have those purposeful values based conversations, but but they like the other unique things that I do from a traditional technical legal perspective. Mm-hmm. And so they just don't participate in it, but I make it available to everybody. So a little bit of a trick question, actually. I don't even know if you knew that was going to be my answer, but that's actually a little bit of a (laughs) trick question for me. (laughs)
0: Well, that's the thing. It's like, should they be married? They have a certain net worth. I mean, uh, there's other people it's not really for.
1: The people that I see who grab onto it more are people who have children. Yeah, Uh, It's a lot of people, if they don't have kids yet, and they're only passing their money on to their siblings or their parents, they don't seem to connect to it quite as much because they don't want to seem preachy to their siblings or let mm-hmm. alone their parents. But I think there are some things that are in there for everybody. It's, it's maybe not, hey, these are my values, but it could be these are my memories
0: that mm-hmm. I've
1: had with you. And so, so kind of the example that I give to people is that for me, it's a series of about 15 exercises that I make available to clients. Yeah. Some they're going to grab onto more than others, like how we won the child lottery is not going to be an exercise that you send to your siblings or to your parents. But yeah. tribute to my angel mother might especially be one in case mm. you passed, somehow passed away before, before your mother did or anything like that, or just memories, writing mm. those down so that people can know, oh, I didn't know that that memory was so meaningful to you, that makes it more meaningful to me. And that conversation would be had with anybody. But most of the time, what I see is there's a little bit more of a legacy thought process and a purposeful aspect to that legacy. If there are kids involved, it's not so much married as it is. Kids. That seems to be the real difference maker.
0: There's, there's another generation involved here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what, how much wealth you have. Cause a lot of people think I should have something pass on first. And you're saying, oh heck, it's a heck a lot more than that. It's not just passing on the money.
1: No, a hundred percent. It's one of my many pet peeves because I, I. It's not a bigger one because I understand where people are coming from, even if I think they're dead wrong. Where uh-huh. this weird, my self worth determined is determined by my net worth. Mm. Like <laughs> oh I'm like exactly what you said. Like oh I'm not worth five million dollars or two mm-hmm. million or some random number that's more than what they have. It's not worth going through this effort for all this work. Yeah. And maybe this is a little bit of my own fault of um I talk to people about integrating purposeful planning into their estate planning and, yeah. and integrating their values, but really they're two completely disconnected things. Yeah. Where you can pass on only $10, but have a wealth of memories and values that can be passed on where I have other clients who, regardless of how much net worth they have, mm-hmm. they're fine with giving everything to their kids out all at once in a yeah. one sum distribution. But that doesn't mean that the purposefulness can't be there either. There's plenty of, there's no reason why the values conversation has to end when the spigot of an inheritance mm-hmm. in Gets turned off, right?
0: Right.
1: Most people's inherit uh, the inheritances they're passing on won't make it down to grandkids, right? For one reason or the other, whether it's different spending or needs, or there's not enough to get to grandkids, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But for me, I have my my dad's dad and my dad's grandfather's personal histories mm-hmm. and my father-in-law's personal history. That's not. What, what are we going to do? Say, Oh, there's no money left in our trust. Let's go burn the book. Like <laughs> those, are, those are two completely disconnected and different things. Yeah. It's more powerful if you can integrate the values into the money because it helps the money have more meaning, mm-hmm. but the values have inherent meaning in and of themselves, completely disconnected from the money. And yeah. so there's no, Hey, there's, there are some things that are make more sense when you have a higher net worth, when you're talking with a family governance professional, mm-hmm. but purposeful planning itself, there's no barrier to entry there of, mm-hmm. Hey, this is only for people who are a million dollars or more to be able to mm-hmm. do like that. No, there's no barrier to entry in that perspective. It's really that your own creativity and the, the leadership and creativity of whichever financial legal professionals you are working with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Most people on this show would not know this story about me personally, but in 2007, I remember talking about purposeful planning with an attorney. And one of the things he shared with us is that they recorded videos of John Wooden, the famous college basketball coach, right? For UCLA. I mean, one of, probably one of the most well-known and best coaches in the basketball world. And yeah. And I remember watching some of these videos. This was right before he passed away. He was like 90 years old, and he's on these videos teaching life lessons. And it impacted me so deeply. I wanted to be inherited by John Wooden's family. I was like, I want to be your grandchild. Like, this is awesome. I loved it. And uh, it inspired me. And that's even why the next year, 2008, is why I started podcasting. Because I thought, well, how can I get my knowledge? What if I die young? Or, well, yeah, young, relatively speaking, where my kids are still too young to learn what I know? How can I teach them? And just so you know, 2008, for those that do know my story, I was broke. Like I was over a million dollars in debt. So my net worth was like negative 500,000 or something like that. I was definitely not in a place where I had a lot of money, but I was trying to create something to pass on just in case. And that's why I'm still podcasting to this day. But just now my family's expanded beyond my kids.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you could have cut out the last two minutes of what I said and shared your experience. (laughs) Not at all. Better
0: and faster. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So now here's a big myth I hear a lot of times. So going back to what were the Rockefellers do book that Garrett Gunderson wrote, a lot of people come out of that book and they say, okay, Chris, like, I know you do life insurance thing. I know you do the same thing. You've known these concepts for years. So help me create an insurance plan to do this. What would be your response to that? Cause I want to hear what you say before I even talk about that myth.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So what I would say is I was like, I knew that you were going to be asking me this question. And now I'm like, I got to gather myself for whatever reason.
0: And you're an attorney. I get it. Yeah. You have to choose your words carefully. Right.
1: (laughs) We'll go back to that. That's right. I think life insurance has an incredibly valuable value add. Mm -hmm. It's qual it's quantitative life insurance can increase the amount of money that gets passed on. Mm-hmm. But, and I kind of intimated to this before, and I think this is maybe a good point to mention it, is just because the money's there doesn't mean it has a positive impact. So there's right. kind of three studies that have really stood out to me that are estate planning focused and a fourth that is valuable, but not truly really estate planning. Mm-hmm. So studies have shown that 80% of beneficiaries come to view their inheritance as a burden rather than a blessing 10% are undecided and only 10% can unequivocally say it's been a blessing the average inheritance is completely spent somewhere between 18 and 24 months I've seen a couple different studies with different numbers Mm -hmm. connected with that a high net worth inheritance has a half-life of about eight years Mm -hmm. so even the and you can kind of see that with the Rockefellers that or the the Vanderbilt's right that was right Gone within three or four generations. The third study is a third of all beneficiaries have negative savings within 24 months. Yeah. And then the fourth study that's not really estate planning is what is it? 70% of all uh, lottery winners declare bankruptcy within five years. (laughs) Inheritance is nothing more than winning the lottery, but with grief and loss mixed in. Yeah. It's actually even more treacherous. And that burden and I should have mentioned this before, it doesn't have to be financial. It can be a physical burden. Mm-hmm. I just talked to someone today. She expressed concern about inheritance causing her son to possibly relapse or losing all drive to work. Emotional burden, mm-hmm. relational burden, mental, psychological burden. It's not just a financial burden. And so yeah. life insurance does a, can do a great job of increasing the money that gets passed on, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really answer the question of what type of impact Yes. Having people's lives, just like traditional estate planning has those same benefits and limitations. Yeah. Tax planning through an estate plan for non-life insurance assets can help maximize protection from a tax liability, which means more money to the beneficiaries, but it doesn't answer the question of, okay, well now what? And that's where purposeful planning can step in is that additional studies have shown that when beneficiaries feel grateful for what they've received and mm-hmm. all the other things that can come with purposeful planning, loved, trusted, appreciated, explanations of why mom and dad have done this a certain way. It's not because we don't trust you. It's we love you. We don't trust the world around you or the explanations are infinite. Yeah, uh, Purposeful planning helps answer that second question, which is what impact does it yeah. have in And that's where you can see the real divergence between the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts Mm -hmm. or thousands of families ever since then across the whole socioeconomic spectrum is the Rockefellers that had a positive, to oversimplify it completely, Mm -hmm. it had a positive impact in their lives because they understood that it was a tool and Mm -hmm. they used it for positive things. For them specifically, it was a lot of philanthropy or investing or something like that, but they were wise stewards to piggyback off of the word that you used earlier. Yeah. Whereas the Vanderbilts, they didn't have that long term view and they ended up spending it all, I think mm-hmm. with three generations. I don't even think it made it the fourth one. By the fourth generation, it was like hundreds of Vanderbilt descendants and not a single one of them was a millionaire. And they started out with <laughs> 300 million and started their own university. I mean, that's where Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, so that's what it is, is is life insurance answers one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Basically the same one that, that traditional estate planning answers purposeful state uh, purposeful planning answers the other question of impact in people's lives.
0: That's right. Yeah. I'm not an attorney, so I can definitely be pretty blunt about this, but I completely agree with you. That's exactly the problem I see is that, and again, I'm a fan of life insurance. I think it's necessary. I think it's a great way to fund your trust you know, to boost some cash in there and allows you to pay other potential bills that would require you not to liquidate your assets. If you've got cash-flowing properties, great. Then we don't have to sell off those things just to pay off your tax bill, especially if you didn't do your planning right. The problem I get is this, is that many people will come to me from reading that book and say, okay, Chris, I want a Rockefeller plan. How do you design the life insurance to do that? And I have to drop the bomb and say, just so you know, that book is just giving you a crappy sales job. No, I'll just say it like it's a great concept and it's, it's true, but they pointing you the wrong direction. They're pointing you to making the life insurance. The answer, the life insurance doesn't do jack squat. It's they're like, how do you design it? I'm like, I set it up with a beneficiary. That beneficiary also includes the trust as like your contingent beneficiary, but that's it. Like, voila, yeah. your spouse is the primary beneficiary because nothing happens at that exchange, but it does happen. The rest of it. I'm like the whole part of this thing that's magic has nothing to do with the life insurance. It's just a sales job for you. To be so blunt, the whole magic is actually what you do, Brandon. It's actually creating that estate plan, getting those things and really teach and pass on that legacy to each generation. Life insurance has nothing to do with that. The life insurance is the easy part to structure. The hard part is doing what you do.
1: Yeah. No, it's, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it comes down to, and, and it's maybe something that we don't think about all that often, or at least maybe I don't, and I'm just projecting on everybody else, mm-hmm. is Life insurance, estate planning, money, cars, houses, any type of financial asset is inherently, by definition, lifeless. Yes. They are tools to achieve whatever goals you have. And the goals you have are really just a simple reflection of your value system. Mm-hmm. But really what, what I feel like I'm trying to help my clients do is life itself itself in some ways, right? And maybe I'm overselling what I do, but it's life itself. And those are the things that control the tools. I mean, you put on a glove, a glove in and of itself doesn't have the ability to move around, but once you put the glove on, it can Mm. do a whole wonderful sorts of things, but that's because your hand is in it. You are controlling that tool. Same thing with life insurance, state planning, cars, homes, bank accounts, investment accounts, you call it whatever you want to. Those things are there to do what we tell them to do. They don't have life and we do. And mm-hmm. so when you take control of those things, you exercise stewardship, you live out those things in an intentional, purposeful, value-centered, driven way, Yeah, and those tools can really start doing something for you. Hopefully in a positive, or if your value system is is destructive, it's going to do something destructive for you. That's true. And, and it's so easy to take five seconds to come up with examples in your life that were both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. The money's not the problem. It's the it's the person or that decision to be maybe a little bit more fair and narrow, is what the problem was.
0: That's right. It's so an extension of you. Like I say, money is the magnifier of the soul. It just makes you more of who you already were.
1: Yep. Yeah. No. I like that term of magnifier of the soul better than me. What I say is it it exacerbates pre existing personality traits. Right? <laughs> if yeah. you're a jerk, that's a true. More opportunities to be more of a jerk. If you're a fantastic, mm-hmm. wonderful person, money will give you even more reach, more ability, yeah. wonderful, amazing things. The question is, is how do you inculcate? How do you pass on the goodness? Mm -hmm. and maybe even the badness too right of like hey lesson learned please don't make the same mistake i did yeah here's the money to help you not repeat the negative experience right more good decisions than what i did in my life that's where real intergenerational improvements and change can happen
0: i love it love it man well, Hey, uh, this has been great. It's such good advice. And, uh, and I agree, like this is where the magic really happens. So those of you guys have been looking at the Rockefeller, right? And like, oh, I want to do that. Guess what? This is your guy. This is the guy you actually would want to go to, to actually create that plan. Not the life insurance. Again, I can always help with the life insurance piece, but that's not the magic. This right here is the real magic behind it. So Brandon, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way they can do so?
1: Uh, email, honestly. So my email is uh, Brandon, B R A N D O N, at Raines, Rains, R A I N S. There's no E there, so don't even try to put it in. R A I N S, hyphen, law.com. So always Perfect. respond within 24 hours. It sits in my inbox until I deal with it. Never gets lost. That's the best way to do it.
0: Perfect. Awesome. I appreciate your time. And everybody will put that in the show notes as well. Just email Brandon at rains law.com. Hey, appreciate your time. Everybody else, thank you for joining us today. Remember, it's not just about listening and being a hearer of the word. It's about being a doer as well. When you do these things and act upon them, that is when your life truly changes. Go and make a wonderful, prosperous week. We'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now.